This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and it is a cheery day. I walked in this morning, the sun is shining. A little chilly, a little chilly, uh, but nothing like the snow we had this past weekend. Java, you know, your kids went out there playing in the snow, playing in the snow. Yeah, and I was trying to remember, and I think, honestly, maybe not for Java because he's eight, Yeah. but this was the first snow, like, for my girls. She's uh, Marley's four, four yeah. and the other one is two. So this was, like, their first time because— <laughs> It was so funny. They woke up in the morning. We have this big window in our, uh, they overlooks the backyard uh-huh. in the front room. And they opened the window and they was like, it's winter <laughs> because the snow was actually falling down. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was just, you know. Well, we, you know, you're out on, you're out on the outskirts of the uh, the western side of town. I'm right in the middle of it, and I didn't expect to get any because you know Jackson's sort of like a heat sump with all the the, the pavement and stuff like that. But it started late uh, that night, and the next morning I got had a good little snow. Set up my garden the night the day before so I could take some pictures to make it look like more than it was. Didn't have to had plenty. Yeah, if you were ready ready for the pictures, then you you pretty got some good ones. Funniest pictures I've got though are of <clears throat> gardens the day the next day the next day with snowmen standing out in the middle of nothing no snow on the nothing it was completely gone but there's snowmen just standing out in the open they're saying what the heck what's up here my nose where'd it go (laughs) that's snow that's snow in the (laughs) south for you one day you're here the next day you're gone (laughs) yep well we got plenty of stuff to talk about today but uh folks it's a live program uh, we've got uh, plenty of time to chat about whatever's on your mind. Last week, I got stumped on something that, uh, you know, that head-smacking moment where you, uh, I would say, you know, usually I used to smack my head and make that little noise, but I can't now because that's the spot where I take my temperature all the time. And I don't like it being all red and having to, but uh, anyway, uh, a guy call, called about a plant called turmeric. He wanted to grow some turmeric in his garden because he, he, he likes uh, Indian cuisine for the subcontinent, subcontinent of India. And um, and I said I don't I don't know about it I don't know about it and and uh, I got a, an email from a guy named Doug Doug Hammond and uh, he's from down in Bogachita which is uh, Louisiana side of the South Mississippi state line he said he's a he's a cook by trade uh, but he grows turmeric he said I live in Bogachita grow it every year it grows from a a bulb root I got mine from Amazon he said when it freezes they die down when I dig them up save some for planting to cook with the rest it got to be dry roots to grind to grate into powder um, and if you'll come back well that's in Bogachita it'll come back come to find out I grow its close cousin uh, the Latin name of it is curcuma uh, curcuma uh, is a real close cousin that grows all over the deep south it's called hidden ginger Nice little little leaves, knee high, a little bit taller than knee high. Looks sort of like a uh, a canna, and the the flowers are hidden down in the foliage. They're bigger than my fist. They're pink and yellow. They're beautiful little flowers, but they're hidden in the foliage, and it grows from a a thick mat of little rhizomes, sort of like iris. And uh, I use mine in Thai cooking, but it's it's used just like ginger. It's in the ginger family. Uh, but uh, he said he got his turmeric uh, from Amazon. I bet if you buy some in a store, some fresh turmeric 
roots. You can plant them, and uh, they'll grow all summer. When they die down, dig them up. If you live in North Mississippi, North Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, dig them up, uh, save some to plant the next year, and they grow perfectly well. So one of those head-smacking moments. You know, live and learn, eh? Well, is, is this one of the ones you grow in your truck? No, 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 okay. because the leaves blow around. But I've got three different places in my garden. I don't actually grow turmeric. Turmeric is uh, curcuma longi or longi or something like that. I grow curcuma pediolata, just to let you know I can say that stuff. Now, with your, um, when you say you put it in your Thai food, it gives that kind of sweet heat because it's a ginger? It's, it's, yeah, it it's, it's actually has a hotter, zestier flavor than regular ginger. But uh, anyway, it's, a, it's an old pass-along plant. wrote about it in Pass-Along Plant Book back uh, a couple of decades ago. And uh, I just had a, one of those, you know, brain things where you just can't remember stuff. Anyway, got plenty of stuff to talk about. And I do appreciate uh, Doug uh, uh, writing in and helping me out about that, helping us all about that. If you got some things to chat about, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to start down in Ellisville, Mississippi. Hey, Mark, what's going on in Jones County? Hey, Felder. Uh, hey, I heard you had a granddaughter. I do. A little larvae, a little rushing larvae. Her name, <laughs> her her mother, who's, by, by the way, from Waynesville, uh, which is not, no, Waynesboro, excuse me, not Waynesville, Waynesboro, just the other side of your neck of the woods. She calls her Allie. I call her AJ. Mom, well, okay. ma, mama's going to win. So what's up, man? Well, uh, I just had a question about transplanting elderberries. Uh, I had a bunch of volunteer elder, elderberry bushes that grew up in the yard, uh-huh. and uh, you know, it, it, it just treated them as weeds. I, I practiced pruning on them uh, after going to your your uh, workshop at Hutto's and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, now that we know that they're they're so valuable, and I'll just say it and just move on. Uh, they they directly destroy coronaviruses. Okay, okay, wait, 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 we we yeah. do not we do not talk about that. We don't. Right, we don't just, talk about medicinal herbs on this program. Right, but just the bottom line is, no, uh, no, no, I no, no, them. no, no, uh, no, no, no. I, I want to preserve the plants. And, yeah, and uh, I don't want to mow them down. Yeah, and, well, uh, it's, it's a perennial. The type of elderberry we have here in the in the lower south is not the elderberry tree, which is really a large shrub, small tree they have in Europe, uh, in northern uh, part of America. We have one of those herbaceous perennial dies down on the ground and comes back up every year. Right. Um, I tried to transplant them in the spring. I, I dug up about six of them, and only one of them survived and everything. And I was wondering, do you think that it's safe to dig them up right now? I mean, yeah. they don't seem they've gone to sleep. I mean, they, they, it's odd. They, they still have a few green leaves up at yeah. the top of yeah. the, the plant. Yeah, because we, we don't really have a hard, hard winter. Normal winter, they'll die on the ground and come back up as perennials. And they can they can make a quite a large plant. So if you can find some smaller ones to transplant, uh, you know, they'll They'll be full size and bloom and have berries this year, but uh, the smaller ones are easier to dig and more likely to survive. But yeah, you can move them now. Would be a great time. Okay, I didn't mow all last summer in the backyard. Uh, well, that was my story stick, sticking to it, so I didn't you know, yeah. mow over the, the elderberries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, well. All right. Well, then I'll I'll dig them up uh, and uh, assume that they're relatively asleep, and hopefully they'll they'll yeah. be okay uh, and everything in the spring. All right, man. Say 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 hey to mama. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, see you, Mark. All right, bye-bye. All right, elderberry is one of our, our most overlooked, big, native perennial wildflowers. You know, it's a, it makes a small tree, a nice little clump, big, flat, clustered, dinner plate-sized clusters of flat clusters of white flowers uh, in the, the, the late, uh, early, early summer, followed by clusters of 
purple berries. Not to be confused with pokeberry, which has little hangy-down things of flowers and hangy-down things of berries. But the elderberry has flat dinner plate size flowers and berries. Beautiful plant. You can cook the flowers. Uh, it, you know, it, it's just a terrific native plant. So anyway, let's uh, move up to Madison to talk with Frank. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? Uh, I really enjoy your show. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. So a couple years ago, I bought my wife a Myers lime tree for uh, Mother's Day. And I'd say it was probably about three feet tall. Uh And that first spring and summer, we got some buds and blooms, and then we got some limes. This past summer, it bloomed, but then it grew those tiny little green little baby limes. And then they all fell off, yeah. and then we didn't get anything again. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, what do I need to do to make sure that that plant, that tree, is going to produce this time around? Yeah, well, a lot of the citrus bloom in the late winter, early spring, and sometimes, you know, so normal, once they get established, they'll get in this rhythm of blooming, you know, uh, late winter, early spring. And then fruiting in the summer, harvest in the fall, late summer and fall. So it might have just been that the first year it was confused because it had just been planted and, you know, that sort of. Uh, when, when you disturb a plant, whether it's digging it or planting it or hard pruning or hurricane or anything like that, sometimes it kicks them into blooming out of season. Uh, so that might have been all that was. Uh, you got this in the ground or in a big pot? It's in a pot. Yeah. A pot. Uh, put it outside every day you can. Except when it's going to be frosting or freezing. It needs a real sunshine. It needs a real sunshine, not just through a window. And it needs the humidity. It needs uh, the out- outdoors better. And only dragging in if it's going to actually freeze. That's the first thing I say. And the second thing, it's real important when it blooms that it get pollinated by bees. And uh, I don't know where you live in Madison, but if you live right in the middle of a suburb where there's not a whole bunch of wildflowers, it may not have a bunch of bees. To, to pollinate. We do have we do have some bees in our front yard, and I make sure I move the I do move the pot around to make sure it gets sun as much as I can. Yeah, and then when the bees start getting active, I definitely leave it in the places yeah. where they are. So I think that's happening. Yeah, I'm wondering what? about the fertilization. Uh, well, any kind of, of all-purpose, good houseplant fertilizer. Look for one where the numbers are about the same. You know, there's so many gimmicky fertilizers. I get confused, and I took the course in college. Um, but you want something where the numbers are about the same. A lot of times they'll have a high first number, the nitrogen, which which is good for green-growing plants, ferns and, you know, things mostly for foliage. That middle number is what helps flowers and fruits, but you don't need a big high one. A lot of times they sell them, they got a, a really Really, really high middle number that's unnecessary so anything where the numbers are pretty close to the same uh, what i use for my potted plants is a, a slow release type of bead it's called osmocote uh, you know i don't sell anything here at mpb we're not sponsored we don't sell anything but i'm just telling you what i use as a gardener this stuff called osmocote little round beads you put a little bit of that on the potting soil once a year, and every time you water it, it automatically absorbs a little water, squeezes out a little fertilizer, washes it in the soil. And once a year, it's all my plants need. And towards the fall, when it starts running out, they need a little bit of break. So a little bit of Osmocote, and then maybe in the growing season, every month or two, hit it with some kind of liquid fertilizer. But, uh, d- okay. but d- the main thing is no more than what directions call for. 
Okay, and, and I haven't fertilized it in a, in a while, so it's probably due for some nutrients now, well, I'd say. You know, plants growing in dirt, uh, re- real dirt, D-I-R-T dirt, has got nutrients in it, and it holds nutrients a long time. Potting soil doesn't naturally have the main nutrients, and it doesn't hold nutrients because, you know, they, they wash away. So it's really important for potted plants. Uh, and keep in mind, my grandmother had an, an old rubber tree. I don't think she ever fertilized it, but it was pitiful because it was starving but a little bit of fertilizer you know uh at least once a year for potted plants helps replace all that that washes away uh, and, and by the way okay. when those little fruits fell off it tells me that they that the flowers didn't get pollinated and if there's if uh, it, it'll start to form a fruit but there's no seeds growing in it the little fruit type things they just abort so usually that's a lack of pollination okay. Okay, well, wow, thanks for helping me understand what's going on with the plant. I really appreciate it. Hey, mean, meanwhile, go out to some place and find some little bitty small uh, golden Christmas ornaments that hang on it. Yes, we'll do that for yeah. sure. My son will enjoy that. Yeah, well, get him to help and, and act like you're playing a trick on mama. You know what I'm saying. I do. I, do. <laughs> I mean, teach the, boy, well, teach the boy to develop his sense of absurd. Oh, he loves the he loves the plants in our patio garden. Can't keep them out of them. Let's we punk mom. Let's let's, he loves it. let's punk mom with some fake uh, oranges, lemons. Okay, okay <laughs> we'll do that. See you for Hank. Thank you very much, sir. Take care. You know, Java. Maybe I shouldn't do this. But you know, I think you should though. It's all know. it's all in good fun. It's all good. <laughs> By the way, um, the fella talked about Mark uh, talked earlier about the fruit seminar. This is the first year in. 12 or 15, I guess, that we're not doing a home fruit seminar at Hutto's. We always do one in January, early February. But because of the Rona, you know, the, I talked with the folks at Hutto's, and they said, you know, we probably don't even need to advertise, you know, this. They got a lot of great fruit plants, probably the best in this whole part of the South, good local types and varieties. I really appreciate the effort they put in that, but we're not having the fruit seminar because just, you know, not only does pollen spread from plant to plant, but spittle does, too, from people to people. We're not going to do that. Anyway, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. Got the lines wide open. If you want to give us a call, we'll be right back. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Folks, Joe and the Pipers, old tune, Mary's Eat Oats and Dote Goats Eat Oats and little something to eat Ivy. I can't see. I heard a dozy doe in there somewhere, too. Yeah, yeah dozy's oats. Does eat oats, Mary's Eat Oats and does eat oats and little lambs eat Ivy. Toodly do. 
Welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fell to rush. You give me a call, toll-free, 1-877-MPB, and let's talk about it. Matter of fact, it's uh, here in Jackson. We're going to talk to Hibbet. Good morning, Hibbet. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had a, a, a large uh, Fuyu persimmon tree that has really produced a lot of persimmons last year. But it's gotten so tall, it's about 15 feet tall, and I need some advice about how to prune it. Well, you know, um, the, the Japanese persimmons, and by the way, Fuyu is the best because not only is it not astringent, but it's one it, that pollinates itself. Some of the others don't. So it's, it's probably the best. Fuyu, some people call it Fuyu Gaki. But uh, it's, you know, when it's completely mature, it's still considered a small tree. It'll get, you know, spread out and all. But really all you have to do is treat it like a large bonsai tree and just simply prune out some of the tall stuff and thin out some of the other stuff so it has sort of a characteristic like a gnarly old type tree and just thin it out. You know, leave some unpruned, but if you'll cut out some of the taller limbs, it don't leave stubs. Cut them flush with wherever, whatever it starts growing off of, follow it back, cut it off right there, and just sort of thin it out, some of the tall stuff, and then thin out a few of the, the branches on the limbs that are left to give it kind of a, a, a almost a, an, an Asian look, like a, a, a bonsai-type tree. And uh, there's no problem cutting out the big stuff. Just leave some of the other stuff unpruned. So even the main branch that goes straight up, uh, I can cut some of that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it, it, it sounds weird, but it's like plucking eyebrows, you know, leave the stuff you want. But, uh, it, no, it doesn't hurt to – I mean, you can – you've seen what the power company does to oak trees. <laughs> anyway, no, just cut out the stuff that's, that's where you don't want and leave stuff that is where you want and then a little extra. Oh, that's great advice. Uh, it, it ain't going to be easy. And, by the way, Hibbert, if you don't have a if, – if you don't – I don't know if you got a chainsaw or something. The saw that I use – and, and I've, I've taught their arboriculture, the tree surgery course at State. But uh, when I'm knocking around my yard, I don't have a chainsaw. But I've got one of those hand saws that's curved, and it's got teeth that point backwards. So it cuts when you pull rather than when you push. And a, a pruning saw like that works. You can get in tight little spaces between things a lot better than you can any of the saws. So one of those little curved blade pruning saws that cuts when you pull. Uh, it makes real quick work. Um, it doesn't have to use gasoline. You don't have to worry about falling and eating you up. Well, good. I'll get one of those. Yeah, they're, they're really... But look for one that's got like a triple cut and, the, and the, the blades are pointing... The teeth are pointing towards you so it cuts when you pull. Real easy to get in tight spaces with them. Thanks. Okay, Hibbert, good luck. Hey, this is a good day to get out there, but be careful of getting them up on the ladder because it can be crazy when you get more than two feet off the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> See you, guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, staying in Jackson, we're going to talk with Sadie. Hey, Sadie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Um, I heard you talking about transplanting elderberries uh -huh. somebody a while ago, and I would like to see if I can transplant possum homes trees or bushes, if I can find some in the woods, would that work too? Yeah, you could, you know, any, any kind of plant. Here's the problem with transplanting stuff, uh, woody plants, you know, from the woods, is, you know, if you stick your arm straight out and wiggle your fingers, that's where the roots are, and you're going to be mostly moving neck and shoulders. So mm -hmm. the smaller one you get, the more likely it's going to sprout roots again before it sucks itself dry in the summertime. So smaller plants are always a better uh, candidate for moving than bigger plants. The problem is, uh, out in the woods, a lot of these are separate male and female, 
And you can't right. tell which is which unless they got berries or don't. And they don't do that till they get a little bit big. See, so um, if you really like the plant, what I would do is, I mean, if you really, really want it's a beautiful plant full of berries this time of year, middle of the winter, would be to go ahead and go online and get a male and a female. They, you know, they sell them with you know named varieties. Uh, matter of fact, I think one of the the, the males they sell is called Southern Gentleman. Okay. <laughs> it's just grown as a pollinator. <laughs> I wish I was making this stuff up. But anyway, it's it's just hard to tell whether you're getting male or female until they're big enough to be almost too big to move. Yeah, I, I'm trying to landscape my yard with just native plants, you mm-hmm. know, only uh, other than bulbs. Yeah, and so I've been like transplanting oak leaf hydrangeas and i have a lot of i think they're called choke berries what um, what, what kind of berry choke berries oh yeah yeah choke I, berries. yeah yeah oh uh, like rhubarb yeah yeah real pretty yeah uh if you my go-to you know i'm i'm past present native plant society i love native plants but by no means my garden all native because i like Asian plants and and uh, and European plants out blah 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 blah, but one of my favorite native two favorite natives are really good combination is our native yopon holly, which is you know it gets me you know, it's a, a a big it's a small tree, but it's it's uh, is evergreen but it's not real heavy thick dense and it has berries the females have berries but that's one of my favorite and they've got a weeping one that's real nice and they got sort of pretty berries in the winter time. But uh, yeah. native yopon holly, and then uh, you know, if you're looking for effect, you can't go wrong with one of those plus a little gem magnolia plus a palmetto. That little combination looks so good all year long. No, everything else just sort of swirls around it. Okay, that's a great idea. And can I, you think I can get these at Hutto's or just have to Don't know, don't know. You know, some garden centers, you know, Hutto's really special. they got a lot of stuff, but they really specialize in bedding plants and, uh, uh, and, and fruit plants and things like that. But they are available. And by the way, if you'll, if you'll uh, shoot me an email, I'll send you a list of really, uh, a really simple but thorough list of landscape quality native plants, trees, shrubs, vines, perennials, that kind of stuff. Oh, I love that. Real, real simple. Yeah. Little. It's a, it's a, a list that I pared down from all the possibilities to what most people plant. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. You better say hey, good luck on it. <clears throat> Thank you. Father, I'm sitting here uh, doing a little arrangement. You know, Java. Every week we do the podcast. You let me send you a picture. You know, if if I think about it. Uh, but I need that. I need the picture you show me of your uh, your snow garden in the back of your truck. With, with, oh, <laughs> in the back of the truck, it was a bunch of snow. You know, this uh, garden I grow. A lot of people don't 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 know that I've been growing stuff in the back of my dad's old pickup truck for. Well, since my son was in a. Uh, uh, child restraint seat i call it a baby seat and he's a he's a, a dad now and army officer and all that stuff but i've been growing stuff in the back of my truck a long time and it's got to be able to take all summer if i'm gone to, to england all summer ain't nobody gonna water my stuff so it's got to grow in a big pot in a big big i made a little frame thing it's got to grow with no water Broiling hot sun all summer. It's got to grow all winter, freezing cold, covered with ice, and it's got to be able to take 81 miles an hour. And I found some plants that'll do that. So uh, we could do that. Um, I tell you what, we can do that this week and next week. I'm taking this picture now for next week. Okay. And uh, it's a li- nice little combination of, uh, of, of gray stuff. 
Gray? Yeah, gray stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, Spanish moss, which oddly enough looks just like my hair. <laughs> I look like I got a wig of Spanish moss on all the time. Long, straggly, gray-looking stuff. Uh, I've got Spanish moss, which are a terrific, unique native plant. It's beloved all over the world, and it grows just all over Mississippi. I grow a bunch in my garden. Spanish moss, which is real gray. I've got this plant called Artemisia, which is sort of a silvery gray green. It's, you know, you would say it's gray from a distance unless you put it next to Spanish moss. It is one of my most dependable understory spreading type of perennial. Uh, it's just a terrific plant, Artemisia. And the one I grow is called Powis Castle. It's, a, it's not invasive like some of the other Artemisia. It spreads on top of the ground. You can cut it back if you want to. But it's a really good, ferny-looking, silvery, gray-green plant in the wintertime. And then I've got an old pass-along plant, old heirloom pass-along plant. A lot of people call it hens and chicks. It's a succulent. Now, if anybody's listening to the podcast up north, this is not your hens and chicks, the Sempervivum. This is the one called Graptopetalum. Some people call it ghost plant. Uh, the, the little fat succulent leaves, you can break a leaf off and it grows a whole new plant from that leaf. But it's a nice little gray, gray, so ghosty look. Well, it's called ghost plant. It's a good little succulent. So I've got those. And then the last thing before we, uh, be, be, before we take this, this call is I've got my... My coffee cup, my MPB coffee cup, which I bring every year, every week, and it is nasty looking. <laughs> you know, most guys get it. Some women get it. But some people are purely disgusted about my, my coffee cup because <laughs> it's not dirty. It's not. And that's the thing I, I want people to say, especially when they see this picture. It's not dirty. No, it's coffee stain. What I do is I make coffee and I drink it and I empty it out. And I let it dry, and it's got that. It's got an incredible brown coffee stain from months and months and months. Yeah, I rinse it out. I just don't scrub it. But you know who's really going to get it? Who's the that? coffee drinkers? So, yeah, yeah, they yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's a, you know, the inside. It's a pretty MPB mug. It's really pretty blue and all like that. But that coffee is, it's a, it's it. I love it. But anyway, I've got it, and I also arranged my little face mask with the Mississippi State flag on it because it's it's uh, it's blue and and red. But the neat part about it is it's got that one star, that one gold star that represents the the, the Native Americans, you know, the Choctaws, the Ch- Cherokees, the Chickasaws. Uh, and the reason I did that because the last plant, and, and I'm probably boring everybody about it, my edible plant of the week. I try to bring a, a native plant, an heirloom, and uh an edible plant is my tomato. You can see, look how yellow this thing is. Bright, yeah. bright yellow. This is what it's called lemon boy. I picked my lemons, I picked my tomatoes right before that first frost last fall, brought the green ones in, and one at a time they've compl- they've turned their color, but instead of red, I've got one that's kind of a golden yellow. And so I got it right by my coffee cup and right by that little star on the, the Mississippi state flag that represents the Native Americans. So there. Boom, next week. Meanwhile, let's go up to Tupelo, talk with Madeline, who's been hanging on, listening to my diatribe. Hey, Madeline. Hi, how are you today? Fine, I'm just rambling. What you got going on? I have a question about pruning. Uh, we have, uh, we bought our house a couple years ago, and there's some very large hydrangea plants. I don't know what type, but they're over eight feet tall. And last year, my husband cut one down in attempts to remove it, but never got back to remove the stump, and then it regrew in a beautiful, 
short, maybe three foot five. And you know, some and people are so many people are scared to prune their plants because it might kill them. Your husband <laughs> tried to kill it, and it came back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, now we're, the other ones—they're so large, um, blocking windows and stuff. We see how pretty they can become. Uh, we want to trim those back, but didn't know the right time of year. He got lucky last year, but now we can't remember because of the crazy year when he did it. But um, best time to actually prune those, and then how far back to prune them. Okay. Well, first of all, your husband's already found out you can't prune them back too far. They're going to sprout. Okay. They'll sprout back out. But keep in mind that wherever you make a cut, whether it's a hydrangea or holly or rose or crepe myrtle, whatever you cut, it's going to sprout out right there. See, so if he leaves some stems a little tall, some medium and some short, it's going to fill out like that. Okay. Okay. So, so keep in mind wherever you make it. Create your shape. That's right. That's right. You know, higher in the middle, smaller. You know that kind of thing. Uh, I cut a a a boxwood back that was uh, chest high to me, and I couldn't stretch my arms out being a big boxwood. I cut it back to knee high, but it still shaped like that. You know, the the bare stems, and it's just sprouted out like that. So uh, keep that in mind when you prune. But also, hydrangeas bloom on new growth as long as it comes out of last year's growth. So if you cut them really, really far back, they'll sprout back out, but they may not bloom this year. So what you might want to do is cut some of them really hard and then just sort of cut some back a little bit so you have some flowers, and then next year cut them back. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing about pruning hard, this is called rejuvenation pruning. When you cut plants back really, really hard and they sprout back out, the roots are still intact. So that new growth just jumps up. So it's really important to come back when you prune a plant hard by the by early summer, June or early July or so, and snip the tips off that new growth so it bushes out instead of shooting up over overhead. Okay, so we can, you know, here this month, next month, can go ahead and do a hard Prune. Yep, and then and, and then don't worry if it doesn't doesn't bloom, but just kind of knock it off again just a little bit. Yeah, early summer. Yeah, and you know just cut it okay. back because you know again when you cut those those new stems back, they'll bush out, and you might even cut the new growth on that back if you wanted a real thick bush. But uh, and you may want to leave one or two stems uh, this spring not pruned and see if they bloom. Who knows? But main thing when you prune hard. Keep in mind, your neighbor's going to talk about you. Just hold your head up and go on. Um, the closer well, you wait, the backyard. okay. The closer you wait to spring, <laughs> the shorter because it takes a few weeks for the new growth to come out. If you prune them now, it's just going to be that much longer before they put new growth out. So whenever he gets around to it, uh, but you can do this even after they leaf out in the springtime. No problem cutting them back. Uh, but you just want to get all your pruning done by early summer. Good deal. Well, thank you. I sure appreciate it. Okay, have fun. All righty. I'm sitting here posing my little plants, my little scene. Uh, we will put the picture. I, I, I set up a scene before it rained, the other, before it snowed the other day, with uh, my Nandina with the red berries, my Mahonia with the brilliant yellow flowers this time of year, beautiful plant. Uh, uh, Oregon grape holly is what some people call it. Uh, sort of reddish stems of my crepe myrtles, and I moved my grandmother's concrete chicken around there, so she's in the picture, too, with her little red comb and all that. So anyway, we're going to take a real quick break, come back a little bit of music. The best music I could think of my go-to music when I'm stressed. <laughs> I play cheesy music all the time, but when I'm stressed, this is my go-to tune. And then we're going to be taking your calls after that. Uh, me and Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, all the folks here at MPB, we're going to take just a little break and come right back. Stick with us, folks. 
some things in life are bad They can really make you mad Other things just make you swear and curse When you're chewing on life's gristle That grumble, give a whistle And this'll help things turn out for the best And always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always look on the bright side You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance anyhow. You'll see it's all a show. Keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I've been arranging my little thing here. My native plant of the week is the gray um, Spanish moss which is a, an epiphyte. It grows in trees, not uh, on trees, not in trees. Uh, very much the same real, uh, same family as pineapples. Also got the gray-green Artemisia called Powis Castle. I've got my uh, gray ghost plant. We call it hens and chicks or hens and biddies here in the south. got my yellow lemon boy tomato right by my nasty-looking MPB cup and the Wonderful little golden star on the Mississippi state flag. Now, you want to give us a call? We've got the lines wide open. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Wide open, folks. Now's a chance to yak with somebody who doesn't know it all. Can't remember some of it. Uh, wish he didn't know some of it. <laughs> and not afraid for somebody to call and help us out, like like Doug did last week with the the uh, growing um, turmeric. Turmeric, 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 which is a little, looks like a canna. It's in the ginger family, and it's hardy on the coast, semi-hardy in central Mississippi, north Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, you get need to dig it up in the falls, dry some of it to, to grate and cook with. It's kind of zesty. Um, and then replant the next spring. It's a tough little plant that really grows well in the shade, if you've got a shade garden. But I love my hidden ginger. It's a great little plant. Um, one of the things that um, we always do this time of year, we have a home fruit seminar 
plants that do well in the landscape, that look good in the landscape, and part of the year have something on it you can eat, like blueberries and figs and muscadines and pears and uh, jujubes and gummy berries and things like that. Uh, I usually have a seminar at uh, Hutto's in Jackson. They specialize in this kind of stuff. But uh, we agree because of the coronavirus, probably not good to get an old guy like me spewing in front of a bunch of other folks. So we'd like to mention this. I have a publication that I put together. It's real simple. I work with local home fruit enthusiasts uh, I mean, who grow everything. Uh, put together a little uh, uh, thing on landscape quality fruit plants for Mississippi gardens. It works in Tennessee and Alabama and Arkansas and Louisiana as well. So if you want to shoot an, if you want a copy of it, go to my website. Go to my, my not my website, my blog, Felder Rushing Blog, and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll put a link on it to, uh, as soon as I get home today. Meanwhile, let's go down the coast to Ocean Springs. Hey Becky, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Good. What's up? I would like for you to speak about clematis or clematis, however. Yeah. I happen to have spent a lot of years living over in uh, England and, and, and Europe, and they grew so profusely. But down here in Ocean Springs, I get lots of blooms, but not this massive. Yeah. So please talk about good ones for down south and best how to prune them. Well, yeah, this, oh, okay. Well, you know, first, first of all, I, I live in England part of the year, have for the past yeah, 11 or 12. And, you know, and it grows up the side of buildings. And one, one of my favorites is a, is a, a, a real pink one. It's an old pass along plant there. They've got a better climate for it than we do because it stays cool at night. Uh, clematis, 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 whatever you want to say. Um, although we have a native one, but the really pretty ones aren't going to be as showy in our hot, humid, all night, nonstop summers and mild winters. You know, it really does better, a little bit cooler climate. So, what I would suggest would be right off the bat would be planted on the east side of, of of something, so it gets plenty of sunshine in the morning, but protect from hot, hot afternoon heat. And um, as far as varieties, most of them do okay. Most of them just do all right. So many. There's a Clematis Society uh, that has some incredible flowers that. They just don't perform well here. Sort of like the the David Austin roses, the English roses. I'm real familiar with those. And uh, here in the South, the flowers are just smaller. They're just not as as luxurious as as, as we wish they would be. So anyway, any of the varieties. As far as pruning, though, there's some that bloom on new growth. So you and some that bloom on old growth. I can't keep them straight. So. Um, you know, that's that's the big thing. I can't remember which ones you can prune back hard. But in, in general, for folks who don't know what they're doing, is plant them on something, climb on, and then every year or two, cut one of the stems back. So you always have some new growth coming up down at the bottom. I'd always have stuff up at the top just to make sure that you hit it right where there's new or old growth bloomer. But there's so, Be- Becky, there's so many beautiful clematis that, first of all, you can't get them here because they don't. They don't sell them here because they don't grow here, but there's quite a few that do okay with morning sun, not so much hot afternoon sun. Thank you very much. Okay, I wish we could do that. You know, there's nothing like an arbor that's got a rose and a clematis and our native uh, trumpet honeysuckle all growing on the same thing. What a, I've got a, a vine arbor in my yard, a, a special a big tall arbor, and it's got the top of it is curved like a like a covered wagon hoops, uh, and and I grow I guess uh, eleven different kinds of vines on it. 
in uh, including our our, our native, uh, which they grow a lot in in England. Our native um, uh, uh, passion flower, the Passiflora maypop, is a terrific uh-huh. plant, and they grow that all over England, and it's wild here. I learned a lot about that when I lived over there, and I grew just beautiful clematises, and I just, I keep struggling. There just has to be a good southern variety. Well, you know, let me let me scratch my head. Uh, t- tune in next week, because I don't mind getting stumped at all. I do not mind getting stumped on stuff and look stuff up, and a lot of times it's stuff I knew I just couldn't remember, but I'll come up with, uh, uh, maybe some folks will email in with their list of their best performers for here. So we'll, collectively, we'll figure it out. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it, Becky. Okay, let's go over to Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Carly, good morning. Carla? Good morning. How are you? This Fine, morning? thank you. Struggling a little bit on some stuff, but I don't, I don't mind. I'm an old guy. I can take it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's part of our age. Yeah. I have uh, two questions. One, and you were just talking about the passion flower. I have a passion flower, and I also have a climbing aster. And I need to cut those back, but I don't know when. Okay, well, both of those bloom on new growth. So you can cut them back any time from, you know, if you cut it back, it, it takes a little while for them to sprout back out, not as much as the shrub. So the closer you wait towards spring, even if they got new leaves on them, the less downtime they'll have. But you can prune them like you would a rose, you know. Um, uh, climbing roses, you want to wait till they get through blooming. But both of these plants bloom on new growth. So pretty much any time you get around to it. And and if you've got them climbing, like I was telling uh, the, the lady before, you can pr- cut some of it down real close to the ground, you know, a foot or so tall, some medium, and then leave some. So that way you have plenty of healthy growth, but you still have the tall stuff. Right. Okay. And I have one more question. My husband heard you talking about Spanish moss. Uh-huh. Where where can we get Spanish moss? Is there any, or you just have to go out and pull it out of a tree? You just got to turn into a moss picker. There's a, uh, you know, it's, it's all pretty much all over the south, even up uh, close to Memphis. There's some, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what there's a, a a patch outside a neighborhood in Jackson where they got a lot of it, and the tree is on the street. And what I do is after a a, a big uh, thunderstorm, I go out there and pick up what's been blown down. Okay. And uh, keep this in mind when you're planting, though, because I have a whole arbor, an arbor of this solid Spanish moss. Uh, And it's just incredible. And I put it in my crepe myrtles. But keep in mind, it grows down, not up. So when you're putting it uh, someplace, get a long pole and put it up really, really high so it'll grow down. It won't grow back up. Okay, that sounds you, good. You can always tell when somebody did it on the weekend because it's all just high enough where you can reach your hand. <laughs> but uh, you can also uh, uh, tie some of it up on a stick and throw it up really high. And it looks funny at first, like throwing tinsel on a Christmas tree versus placing tinsel. But uh, within months, it starts dripping down and growing everywhere. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for your call, Carla. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're going to take a little bit of a short break. we got plenty of time, though. got the lines open if you want to give us a call. Uh, we'd like to, to, to pay homage to Thomas Grillo, who lives in Jackson. He is a thereminist. He is the only instrument you can play without touching it. And he did this theme song, the Gestalt Garden theme song, uh, using uh, doing a duet with himself on a theremin. We'll be right back with more Gestalt Gardener right after this.
I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. All righty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Rush. I'm here cleaning up desperately the mess I made because Michelle McAdoo is going to be in her program next about what's going on all around the state. And uh, I made a mess in here. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to go to, uh, I can't, from Tremont, Joey and Tremont. Good morning, sir. How you doing, sir? So far, so good. What's up? Uh, well, I got a question about a... Uh, Rose Sharon tree. Yeah. Can I can I prune that with a pickup? <laughs> yeah. You trying to get rid of it or just cut it down real close? <clears throat> oh, well, this thing got up too tall, and I just like to get back shrub size. Yeah, you know, if you got a steel, if you got an old enough truck that got a steel bumper, I'd say go for it. But it'd be better go ahead and just take a saw to it. All right. But but uh, keep it keep, me high. You can wherever you cut it, it's going to sprout out right there. So you might want to cut it cut it below where you want it to grow back up to. And if there's some, you know, cut it sort of like a if you can imagine a Christmas tree that's being cut with no no leaves left on it, still kind of a you know t- tall in the middle and the you know sort of spread it out towards. In other words, don't just cut it straight across. It's just going to look goofy. Although there's nothing wrong with goofy. Don't get me wrong. No, I like goofy. Okay, well, just go out there and whack it off. But but if you don't have a steel bumper, uh, and if there's anybody, and plus it could be tire tracks because the ground's wet. <laughs> I I I okay. go find a saw. All right. One, one more quick. Will not hurt to prune it though. One more quickie, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I planted turnip greens and mustard greens, and the soil was fertile from this summer where I fertilized it pretty good. And they were just puny, and we got out there, and I fertilized them again. They've come up, but they're turning red, and they ain't doing too good. You know, a lot of times turnips uh, are going to turn red when it's really cold. You know, that's just a natural response. But also, if you fertilize it last summer, some of, some parts of that fertilizer is still there, the phosphorus and potassium, but they don't have any nitrogen. Nitrogen is what greens plants up, and it doesn't last. It washes away. So if you'll get some kind of little little type of something with a high first number, just a little pinch on it, and just, just scatter a little bit around them, then water it in real good so it doesn't burn the foliage. But uh, nitrogen is real important for green-growing plants, and it washes away. All right. Well, that answered my question, and I thank you, sir. All right, sir. Appreciate it, Joey. Have a better year than we had last year. Well, I'm calling this 2020 weird. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Uh, okay, let's go now to Gene. He says Russellville or Huntsville, but, you know, it could also be Athens. Where are you, Gene? I'm in Russellville. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Nice town. Yeah. What's What's going on up there? Uh, I have a question. Last week you were talking about a holly that mm-hmm. blooms in the wintertime that has yellow blooms. Holly with yeah No, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's called Oregon grape holly. It's not really holly. It just got leaves that sort of look like holly. Okay. The name of it is Mahonia, M-A-H-O-N-I-A. 
they call it Oregon grape holly because it leaves sort of look like holly, and after the yellow flowers, it makes little strings of real pretty little blue grape-looking things. And if you want to see some pretty ones, I bet they've got some really good ones at the Botanical Garden over there in Huntsville, one of the oh, best okay. one of the best botanic gardens in the South. But it'll have lots of yellow flowers uh, right now. Okay. I'm going to Huntsville today, so I'll, I'll go by and look at it. Okay. And uh, also for our podcast, I'm uh-huh. posting a picture uh, of of my little garden scene that has snow on it, but Mahonia, my grandmother's chicken, my Nandina berries, crepe and roll snails, but I got the Mahonia with the yellow flowers, so you'll see what it looks like. And um, It's on your podcast picture? Well, he's going to, I don't know, how long does it take to put something like that up, Java? It'll be up uh, later on this afternoon around 4 o'clock. Yeah, okay. so anyway, if you want to see what it looks like, but Mahonia is okay. a is a good, and it's native to the Pacific Northwest, to uh, Oregon and Washington State, grows perfectly well, likes a little shade here. Okay. All righty, so, G. Tell the folks at Botanic Garden, I said, hey, they're good friends of mine. Okie dokie. Thanks a lot. You bet, Gene. All righty. I cleaned my mess up. <laughs> I had Spanish moss. I got Spanish moss in my coffee, so I am going to actually, actually have to rinse it out. But uh, I got my little Lemon Boy tomato. It, You know, when you pick a tomato green, it doesn't ripen. It doesn't turn red or yellow because it's ripening. It's a slow decay. So when you pick a tomato in the fall, whether it's a red kind or yellow kind or whatever, it's going to color up. It's going to get softer, not going to get any better tasting. But it sure does look pretty. Uh, anyway, there's plenty of stuff we can do. It's a little early for planting uh, spring vegetables, but it's getting time to set out things like uh, onion sets and maybe some Irish potatoes in a month or so, uh, snow peas, things like that. But it's a great time to start digging holes, putting out fruit trees, shrubs, roses. This is the best time for planting stuff so they get a chance to get established before summertime starts to beat them back. It's a great time. we got plenty of other things we can do, but I'm going to take a little break, be back same time, same place next week, talking about gardening in the South, gardening in general, but particularly in the South. Um, Horticulture's fell to rushing. Me and Java Chapman and folks here at MPB, we appreciate y'all joining this party and being part of it. And uh, if you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market. aren't really going right now, but garden centers are starting to get some cool stuff in. Take a kid to a garden center and let them poke around and find something pretty they like. We're going to pot some pansies or something like that. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.